How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? It is the LEFKOE man, and this is one of our special. Josh, this is coming out on a Friday edition where I don't have to talk about football or sports, but I do, but I want to focus on cards. And what I have and who I have with me today is someone that has been an advisor to me in my new journey, someone that I see as almost a godfather uh, in this thing that people call the hobby. Uh, it is the Cardboard Chronicles. It is Joshua Johnson. It is somebody with a pretty phenomenal LeBron PC, but overall, a good guy and one of the co-creators of Card Ladder. Damn, you got a lot of good little lines. Josh, welcome to the show, bro. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, that's uh, it's nice when you, you piece it all out like that. It sounds like I, I definitely don't consider myself a father because there's guys that have been doing it a lot longer than me, but I, I do see myself as someone that helps bring in new people to the hobby and kind of like cult, uh, cultivates that, you know, collector. So It's uh, at the same point, man. Um, here, let me ask you this question first. Where do you get your calmness from? Because every time I see you talk, you're so damn calm and it makes me jealous. <laughs> uh, my friends always think that I'm like, you know, uh, some marijuana or something. They think I'm just like, I'm so chill. I don't know. It's just the way I am. I just always, I never get too high, but I just always, way. Well, you're an, you're an engineer by trade, right? Yeah. So I, yeah, I come from a, a profession where talking to each other isn't really like a big deal you know kind of like in our caves and, and program and build things so i'm just used to that you're an engineer but i feel like that engineering background really went into building card ladder and that's i really want to start because it's exciting for me that you guys it's a tool that i use all of the time and you and chris i feel like it's your baby and now it's public and and that it's interesting that we're talking to each other this week how does it feel man how does it feel to to be out there and something that you guys put so much time into now everybody can use yeah so for those who don't know i'm, I'm working with chris he's got his own podcast house of jordans uh so yeah he came to me a few months ago with the idea of building building this tool where we can kind of make the public sales data more readily available for collectors and we can kind of tell the story of the hobby through an application and you know that's my background that's what i do professionally as I build websites, I build apps. So for me, this is, you know, I'm right at home. I'm, I'm combining my profession with my passion. It's kind of the perfect project for us. And yeah, we launched the free site uh, this week. We launched the pro version of it, you know, a couple, uh, about a month and a half ago. And man, the reaction has been awesome. People love it. Uh, I know you got, you've been enjoying it, which is awesome. And we, we love the support there and, and the shout outs and stuff. So we, uh, yeah, we'll just keep it going. We're going to keep adding more cards to the database and see where it takes us. What have you learned? Because I'm sure as you guys are entering more and more cards, I'm sure you learned about the hobby in terms of, wow, people are collecting this. I'm also sure that like you entered in the numbers for some of the cards. You went, whoa, the market cap is, is at this point for these cards. What have been some of the moments as you've been building that's shown you a whole nother avenue of craziness in the hobby right now? Yeah, so when we started, we had a lot of like the more common cards that people want to see, you know, the Luca Prisms, the Jordan Fleers, and we kind of just went off of that. Yeah, there was a, the market cap on those cards is extremely high. Uh, and as we added more cards and people started requesting more things and we kind of heard the feedback, people wanted more unique things. Like we were adding the Jordan Nike promo card, the Hulk Hogan rookie card, the Rock. There's a bunch of hockey cards, baseball cards. There's stuff that, that Chris and I, frankly, have never even seen before that we just love that people kind of have that like 
you know, unique eclectic uh, tastes in cars that we that we don't have, you know, on certain things. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, the, the the depth of cards that are available. And when we track the sales, we do it once a night. So we pull all the eBay sales data. We pull sales data from all these auction sites, and we actually go through and like look at all the sales data, so we can kind of see, you know, we get front row seats to what's selling every night. And like the nights that PWCC has auctions go off, or which is like one of the bigger auction houses or it's like a Sunday night where there's just a lot of action or there's like an NBA game going on where people are buying stuff. We see the sales, like the market cap just go boom. And we'll see days where like the sales numbers are three times the number the day before. So it's, it's really crazy to see just sort of the, the fluctuation in activity and, and people jumping into the hobby and the market cap on stuff like the Luca Prism is, you know, three X probably since we launched, it's just nuts. The, the market cap is interesting. What you guys mainly do, and you had to teach me this, was mainly looking at the price per cards and the number of cards out there and creating how much money is in that market. Now, obviously, there are some cards out there that are much fewer, that are worth a ton, and they're not going to crack your top 10. But I did think it was interesting when I looked at the top 10 market caps on Card Ladder, and I saw there were four names. LeBron was on there four times. Jordan was on there three times. Luca was on there twice. And Mike Trout. And I, and I go, wow, that's an interesting collection of names. What, what do you take when you see repetition of the Jordans, LeBrons, and the Lucas in the top 10 with one baseball card? Yeah, we, I take that as that, you know, people are spending money on this stuff and they want to put it into the right athletes as their basis. So the athlete that you're investing in or spending your money on is going to be the number one key indicator of where you want to put your money. And then secondly, it's going to be making sure you put it in the right rookie cards you know, the right sets, the right grades, which we're separating by. So when you see those cards high up in the market cap, those names don't surprise me at all. The Luca one is a little bit surprising because of how young he is. But I mean, tell me someone hotter in the market right now than Luka Doncic. I, there's nobody. I mean, he's, he's looking like the next mega superstar and he's only 21. He beat the Clippers last night. And it's just like, yeah, that makes sense to me. The Trout one I mean, makes he's, sense. He's, and, taking, he's taking Kawhi to the basket like it's no problem. Yeah. And, and I, Luca is undoubtedly the most fascinating card in this market in terms of all of the new people that are in, I feel like every interview I do, I bring it up. It's because it feels like that's where the production really started to get crazy. So the numbers are so much bigger at the same time, you cannot look somebody in the face and go, I don't think Luca's going to pan out. Like we are all in agreement that he has the potential to be a top 10 player of all time. And like those guys, rookie cards are crazy, but the numbers are what scares off the, the, the classic hobbyists. And it, yeah. it's, it really, it's, it's the discussion I could have every day. I mean, that's why we brought up the market cap and started putting that in the forefront more so because because of that card. Like, so people would come to me and say like, Hey, I want the Luca base PSA 10 because you know, that's his rookie card. And you know, why is the price only at, you know, uh, 500 compared to LeBron's rookie, who's a lot more. And I say, you have to understand, you know, the population that how many of that there are. So when you put market cap in front of their face and you show them now that the Luca, the market cap of the Luca base PSA 10 is like 24 million and the LeBron PSA 10 rookie is like 34 million. So he's already like increasing, you know, numbers relative to LeBron. It seems like that to me is a little bit too early. You know, you're basically baking in prices of him winning three championships and matching LeBron's career risky to me. Uh, but I understand it. And, you know, he's like the most fun person to invest in right now because you're watching him grow like in front of you and, and all the people coming into the market, he's just like the perfect player 
for someone to want to attach themselves to. Like LeBron's getting a little bit older. People have already spent so much. Luke is their guy, right? It's to me, I find it wonderfully ironic and beautiful and also apropos that you and Chris uh, do shows together, the crossover. You're both seen very highly uh, from other people that collect and your PC was LeBron and his PC is Jordan. And I think it's funny because what argument and discussion has been more prevalent in the last 20 years mm -hmm. than between those two guys? Have you ever wondered, man, how life would be different if I was collecting Tony Parker? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it, 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 what is it like to be like, man, I, I, I saw it, it happened, and it's, it's led me to a great spot being LeBron. Yeah, there's, there's so many reasons that LeBron and Jordan are the staple of all collectibles, not just like sports cards, but I just, I see them as like memorabilia. They're, they're just like the staples of everything. And the reason is that, you know, they're not just like the best basketball players of all time, but they're also just like huge personalities. And they're people that you can like feel good about buying their stuff, rooting for them, watching them, seeing what they do out off the court. And to see people like mass people collect it's more just than that they want to invest in them or their safe bets i think people just like enjoy those two people and you know the money talks that's what people are spending their money on so it's not and there's it's no surprise that he's my favorite player because i mean look at the guy he's one of the best players of all time he's exciting uh you know when i started watching basketball more heavily it was when he was younger so he's kind of like my luca you know for these younger kids that are getting into it so it's just like that's what i gravitate to chris you know he likes jordan he likes the 90s stuff he also collects Luka Doncic, so believe it or not, we kind of collect the big three for basketball right now. Yeah, it's unreal. Um, I think it's uh, – where was I going to go with this? Oh, I was going to go with the fact that everyone loves to talk about that we're in a bubble uh, with cards, and I get it. What's very interesting to me, though, is everyone wants to focus on either how it was before or when it's going to end. And as somebody that, and I've talked about it on this show a million times, that I really believe in being in the present and being stoic, I think everybody right now is neglecting them the fact that we're in the good part of the bubble. And, and so everybody is like, when is it going to end and what I could have gotten it for? And instead of going, why aren't we enjoying this however long, I don't even want to put a fake number on it enjoying this right now and being like we're in the good part why why do you think people aren't enjoying it and they're so worried about the end you know people are pessimistic by nature people are you know maybe there's some jealousy going on of like i should have bought more and some people are getting in or making a lot of money with the the base card stuff i can see i see a lot of that going on um you know i always say that like new people coming in uh they're buying the base card stuff because they just they're they're just new like they're not as educated it's it's not their their own fault and the other thing is like the older more expensive cards are so expensive that what are they supposed to do come in and spend you know a hundred thousand dollars you know that's just not feasible for a lot of people so they're buying what they can uh you know they're trying to make some some profits uh flipping some of those cards and then and then a lot of those guys that i talk to especially guys like yourself and and other young guys they want to get to those big cards too it's not like you guys are coming in and just focusing on base and that's where you stop and you make your money and get out, which is what could cause a bubble situation. But if you are coming in with like, Hey, I actually have goals to get some of these bigger items to get some of the, all the superstar players, like the Kareem's and the Wilts and the Jordans, if those are your long-term goals, that's, what's going to keep you. And that's been the basis of my channel for so long is like, I want to help you get to that point and have fun with it and enjoy it. Cause that's, what's going to keep you in the hobby is not, 
it's not going to be you making a quick buck and, and wanting to get out. No one's going to want that. It's going to be, you know, nurturing new people and then getting them to, to enjoy it. I'm going to be going on your podcast uh, after this. And I've, I kind of know where we're going to go. So I don't want to go too much in that direction, but I, I do think that to just kind of echo what you're saying about new people in the hobby, you're overwhelmed so much in the beginning by the right information, things like what is a true rookie card or why is a pink less than a blue? And why are both of those less than a silver? And you're like, Oh, you know what? That's actually, you, you don't want that one. You want that one that when you can look at, and I'm going to hold up one of mine, when you can look at a base prism PSA 10 in your brain, it feels so comforting yeah. and it feels so safe because you're like, I know that this is the important rookie card and it's the best graded version of that card other than a black label. And I love this guy and it's mine. Where I'm at now, which is very interesting is I'm at the people want to see what I have. And I don't get the same rush showing them a base rookie anymore that I did because in the beginning it was like, I got me a Lillard and now they're like, Oh, well, do you have any rookie patch autos? Do you have anything numbered? And that's where I think we all get to. Now, the question is, is as we grow the hobby, will those people be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to sell this and get out. Or will they do what you're saying, which is keep climbing the ladder. It's, it's a fun game to build something. Um, that's, that's where I, I think we're all wondering, will it get to that point? Yeah, I mean, we named it Card Ladder for a reason because being in the hobby for, I've only, I've only been in it like four years, which isn't a ton compared to a lot of people. But you know, compared to most people, it seems like, uh, like you said, I'm, I'm one of the vets now, it seems. Uh, in the last few years, when I go to like card shows and stuff, everyone is trying to trade up. There's nobody at these shows or there's nobody on, on Instagram that's like, hey, I want to trade my RPA down for 10 base prisms. That just doesn't happen. So like, you kind of get this sense that everyone's playing the same game where they're trying to work their way up. And the people coming in today are at just like a huge disadvantage with not having those cards. So they're, it's going to be a little bit more of an uphill climb to get that big stuff, but it's still the same game, you know, like, and I, I it's funny hearing you say that like, yeah, you want something better. Cause after a few months of like seeing the same cards over and over, eventually you're just like, all right, I get it. There's like a million, there's a bunch of these base prisms. I want something to look at. that's different. And then you start digging into, okay, what's like the important card above this. Right. And then you just sort of like snowball from there and you just keep working way up. What is something that I know you've been in it mainly for four years, but you were in it a little bit before. And before I get into this question, can you give me a card or something as perspective as to where we were four years ago? Yeah. So when I started pretty heavily in LeBron, his PSA 10 tops Chrome rookie was probably like 600 bucks. And his refractor was like, I don't know, like three grand my phone at that number. So 600 bucks for the top Chrome base and three grand for the refractor. And now a base is at around 15 grand and the refractor is at 75 ish. 75,000. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's just in four years. And that's why I can say, OG cause I, I hear people tell me that they got in last summer and I'm like, Whoa, man, you did it. Um, but what is something that you have seen? time and time again, that there are a lot of people right now saying that you're wrong about that you have seen a lot in those four years. So glad you said that. It is younger players. So like when I got in, 
there was a bunch of younger players that everyone was saying what they're saying about the young guys now. They're like, oh, they're going to be this hot thing forever. They're going to go up. Like, they're going to so be the you next. Were, you were Donovan Mitchell. Before that even. Uh, ben yeah, Simmons. Yeah, Ben Simmons. Like, even a little bit of, like, Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. And those guys are still, like. Because they were, like, 2014, 2015. Right? Dude, nobody talks about those players today. You won't see any of their rookie cards being hyped. You don't see hardly anyone talking about those guys. Clay Thompson's another one. Dude. His cards are like way – he's cheaper than some of these rookies, and Clay Thompson's like an established NBA champion. <laughs> so it just kind of – I always, I got a people, Clay coming tomorrow. Yeah, people tell me like, uh, you know, you need to buy uh, Trey Young and you need to buy Darius Garland and you need to buy like the new rookie Zion and there's all these new rookies. And I say, yeah, I mean, some of them might turn out to be the next LeBron, maybe one or two of them, but most of them aren't. You know, most of them are going to turn into Carl Anthony Towns where they – turn into great players you know maybe they make an all-star team but like in general people lose interest in those guys over time hmm. so that that it, it's interesting though because that is a huge divide i feel like between the younger demos and the older demos especially when it comes to case breaking and box breaking because that's that whole part right now of watching the zions coming out and watching the jaws and and it gets you more excited about wow i got a rookie of an up-and-coming star and I know it, the, at least it seems on social, people are, are like openly telling people they're dumb for doing it. But I just think all the different parts of the hobby need each other mm -hmm. to enjoy their aspects and to realize that like, if your Peyton Manning is going up, then the kid that's like, I really have a thing for Daniel Jones, it's giving him more of a market. Like they, they both benefit each other, I believe. Yeah. I get worried that that's like an infinite back and forth, you know, like, oh, Daniel Jones went up. So Peyton's better than him. So he should go up. Oh, Daniel Jones has some potential. He should go up and get closer. And then they just sort of, you know, eventually one that has to stop. But yeah, I, I tend to side on the, let me just get Peyton Manning's instead and not have to worry about it versus the Daniel Jones. But yeah. with the Daniel Jones thing, I, I like to play the timing, you know, I'll buy Daniel Jones in the off season and then sell him before he even plays in the regular season. Cause people build up to like, Hey, he's going to have a great year. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't really like to take that risk, so I'll just sell him before he even plays. That is my number one issue. Is the, And I do this, and I, I, I've realized it because of cards. I do this with fantasy football. I did this. I've done this with stocks. I've done this with a lot of things where I'm a long hold guy. <laughs> and I'm like, let me wait until they win the finals. And that's – and it, and. What, I, what I've learned and what I'm trying to tell people too is it's like you just got to do it on the way up, man, because if you you cannot time the perfect time to sell. You just can't. Yeah. Would, would you rather like guarantee double your money or maybe four extra money, but most likely, you know, it's gambling, right? I'm taking, I'm taking the sure it bet, is. you know, like LeBron, Peyton, Michael Jordan, these guys are sure bets. I mean, they're not going to, their markets aren't going to crash tomorrow. I mean, what would cause that? There's just nothing. I know that you talk to a lot of people in a lot of different avenues, uh, auction houses, grading services. The, the number one comment that you get other than this market is crazy right now. What are people telling you? Um, well, the people that I'm talking to have, I mean, I've been, if you've watched my channel, I've talked to a lot of like industry leaders, like, you know, PWCC grading companies, like you said, and those folks have been, singing from the mountaintops about how this this whole market is undervalued relative to coins and art and comics and all these other things so they 
they are saying to me now, like, see, I told you kind of thing, right? Like this is, this is not that shocking to those kind of folks because they understand the market very well. And they see like, to your point of like, do Chris and I, uh, yeah, somebody, somebody told me that there were at one of the auction houses an $800 million in coins and just $30 million in cards recently. And it's like, yeah, like I heard that recently. And that, and that may have changed obviously with what's going on. Um, but the, all I ever hear about is the gap between art. Like I think in coins, actually it's 5 billion cards is 600 million and fine art is 15 billion. And you just, you think of those gaps and coins. I'm like, who the hell is out there trading coins anyway? Who are these people? But maybe it's this market that I've been missing out on that I need to jump into and start collecting Buffalo nickels and shit. Well, this is like, this is why I got into certain cards and I'm getting into now is I, I go off of like what's culturally relevant. And I know Gary talks about this a lot, like go find things that are cultural that are going to be more culturally relevant as we get older. Like people my age, I'm 32. Uh, people my age are just now getting to the point where they have more income to be able to buy things. And what do you think people like me like? You know, they like Pokemon, they like 90s stuff, they like Ninja Turtles, they like video games, they like sports, they like Michael Jordan, they like LeBron. Dude, I'm buying all those things because those are like massive yes. cultural iconic things that, that I'm attached to. I don't, I've never seen coins. I never saw Mickey Mantle play. You know, I don't, I don't own art. Like those things don't interest me. I watch sports. So those are the, those are the things that I right. feel are going to keep becoming more relevant. That's, that's what's interesting though, is I, I DM'd you after you had the uh, football collector on and he was talking about how he had, what's his name again? Uh, Jack. Uh, Jack. Shout out to Jack. And he had, he was like, yeah, you know, I started with a, a big Jermaine Gresham PC and I was fucking floored <laughs> because I have come into this initially with the investor mindset where I'm looking at growth potential. Yeah. And if you're going to tell me Jermaine Gresham, I'm going to go, absolutely not. But I thought about the first cards that I looked up when I looked into this and it was Brian Dawkins because he's my guy. And so I'm, I'm curious, but, but like defensive NFL players, even Hall of Famers don't have a market. How do you blend the, I want to, I want to do this to climb the ladder, like we talked about, but also I want to have my favorite guys because I, I think that there's some people that only collect their favorite guys and go, why don't anyone, mm -hmm. why doesn't anyone care about my favorite guys? And then there are some people that are like, I'm only in this for money and are completely neglecting actually giving a fuck about the people that you have. Yeah. So when you, you DM me like a week ago and you're like, what's your, what's your like number one advice thing? And I told you it's pick, it's pick certain players. So pick like five, let's just say five, you pick one, Hall of Fame superstar, super safe. You know, for you, it might be Kareem or Bill Russell or something like that. Then you pick sort of like a, love a currently playing guy who's super safe. For me, that's LeBron. Currently playing, super safe, not have to worry about it. Maybe it's Mahomes, you know, maybe it's Brady. Then pick a younger guy who's like super risky. So maybe that's Luca or maybe that's, you know, Zion or whatever. And then lastly is pick something that's just like so cheap. You just, it's just like you're, you just love it. You don't know why. For me, it's Penny Hardaway and his stuff's gone up a little bit. I love Penny Hardaway. My favorite player when I was a kid, his stuff is not super expensive. I built a huge PC and I, it's just like my, I have an amazing Hardaway PC and I'm not going to get rich from it, but I just love it. 
I think it's such a clean way of doing it. What's so funny when you were like, and a young risky guy, I thought you were going to be like Devonte Graham. And you were like, Luca. And I was like, damn, I'm way too fucking risky. <laughs> He's risky to me, man. Um, I mean, what if he gets hurt or something? There's a risk there. Totally. I, that's, that's the weird, I mean, the way that I play blackjack, I'm, I'm a risky guy. So that's why I gotta, but that's why you have to have the percentages and, and you can't just go in blind. I, I told a story on uh, one of my last podcasts that I was like, 86 Fleer Moses Malone, this is so underpriced. And I bought it for $40 uh, for a PSA 8. And then I realized when it got to me, shit, that's not his rookie card. That was 1975. And this was the year the Sixers traded him. And he looks like crap on the card. And now I feel like I'm going to keep it as a reminder of not yeah. being an idiot and being really well researched. Yeah, you, you. Do you have a card that burned you, even if it was a little bit that you were like, I should have looked into that more. Yeah. Even if it was early yeah, on. Yeah, I've been buying football cards and I got burned on a couple. I'm trying to think of like a specific one. Like LeBron, for sure, I would buy like second year, third year stuff early on, and I should have just bought more rookie stuff. But I mean, most of the LeBron stuff's gone up so much. It's I can't, I can't think of like yeah. a specific, yeah, I got crushed on it. I, I've definitely overpaid on stuff where like I didn't look up the comp enough and I should have waited and I, you know, I it's worth three grand and I paid five or something. I sh you know, I shouldn't have done that. But I had that with a LeBron. There was like a LeBron X-Fractor where I paid like five grand and then like an auction hit like two weeks later and it went for like a thousand. I was like, oh my God. I should have like it's not the right X Fractor or like it's the rear nobody cares about and the I got the pop wrong or you know something like that. I look, I'm still happy I have it, but like right when Cam uh, got signed by the Patriots, I was like Cam Newton card hundred dollars, but dang! And I got the tops instead of the tops Chrome, and I didn't realize I was like, oh no, that's a multiplier. <laughs> Ugh. Um, how has your, how has your journey into football been? If people haven't seen it on his account, Cardboard Chronicles, uh, you kind of came out recently and you've been DMing me for a long time being like, I think when football starts, everyone that if this, if we really believe that this card market's going up, the people that love fantasy football and love football, it's our number one most watched sport, like 86 of the top 100 TV shows are NFL games. And you went deep and, and you've been focusing on Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, um, uh, a lot of the big, Larry Fitzgerald, you're an Arizona guy. Uh, how has it been after spending a few months looking at all the NBA prices, moving to the NFL and kind of having your pick of the litter? What has that been like? I went pretty ham on it, honestly. Like I, I was DMing you like, yeah, dude, you got to look at it, got to look at it. And I don't know. Just it's again. It's like it's a it's a culturally relevant thing. People are obsessed with fantasy football in this country. You know better than anyone. Like people, everyone plays it. People are in leagues with their moms and stuff. Like everyone plays fantasy football, and the parallels between fantasy football and cards to me is just like this like addictive thing where you just want to you want to be right about a certain player, and people aren't doing that nearly as much with quarterbacks as they are with some of these receivers and running backs because that's what makes fantasy football go. And I was looking at their card prices and it's like, dude, I can get like the best Randy Moss card ever made for like four grand and a Luca silver is like eight grand. Like, dude, I'm just going to go ham and just buy every fantasy football card I've ever seen every top rookie of every player. And no, I'm feeling it. I feel like people are catching on to it. And it, uh, that wasn't necessarily my intention because I myself am a huge fantasy football guy. So I'm buying it because I enjoy these guys just as much as anyone. But see, that went against one of the things that I, I put in my 22 things I think I think. Because when I talked to everybody in the hobby, they were like quarterbacks and that's it. 
Historically, that's how it's always been. So this is almost you going against history. Why do you think now is the time that we finally give wide receivers, running backs, and other positions a look? So, like, those are the historical sports card rules. Those rules are getting bent with new people coming in that want to treat cards a little bit differently. They want to do it for an investing purpose, or they're they're coming into it from the cultural perspective of like, man, I loved watching, you know, Peyton Manning when I was a kid. I want Peyton Manning cards now. That's a new kind of phenomenon. Whereas previously it's been, you know, I'm just a collector. I'm building this PC, and now it's sort of like shifted into a cultural relevancy thing. And so because of that, I think you know, I saw fantasy football. I see Pokemon as a huge thing. You know, soccer is is growing a lot, and people because people like those things. You know, there's a lot of people in the world that like those things, and to own collectibles and sports cards to connect yourself with those things you enjoy even more. So it's just like it's a no-brainer for me, man. Like it just makes total sense. Also, I'm watching scrimmages in the bubble where Bull Bull's card is doubling because of one scrimmage. Don't roll your eyes. That's not what we're going to talk about. So I'm not, I'm not here to talk about Trey Young and Bull Bull. But like I see Gary Trent Jr.'s card go up. I see Michael Porter's Jr.'s card. It's at like 1500 for a silver right now, PSA 10. It's flying. And I think about every year those wide receivers and running backs that come out of nowhere – like a, like a Terry McLaurin that, that I think if we're going to have, because my issue with covering the NFL is it's so reactionary. It makes me vomit. (laughs) It is whiplash covering the NFL. I mean, you could have the Ravens, like think about it last year, the Cowboys started off their first three games, three and Oh, dropping 40 points a game. And people were going, is this the greatest Cowboys offense ever? How does Dak Amari and Zeke stack up to Aikman, Emmett and Irving? And then in, after the bye, they lost and they're like, should Jason Garrett be fired? So if it's already a more reactionary sport, because everything about football is meant to be reactionary. We have 35 seconds after every play to talk about what just happened. In basketball, we're back on defense. Then after the games are over, it's like, okay, guys, now let's spend the next six days talking about what just happened. Where the NBA, it's like every two nights. So in a reactionary market, in a, in a market with cards that's already reactionary, I think I'm like you where I'm like, how crazy is this going to get on a week-to-week basis if like A.J. Dillon rushes for 100 yards in the first three games? Like it could be crazy. It's going to be a bloodbath. I can't, honestly, I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. You're right. I mean, people overreact in fantasy football like crazy. After week one, you know how many trade offers I get for guys that have a bad week of my superstars, right? And it's like, no, I'm not trading Christian John McCaffrey. Brown. John Brown, week one last year, almost had like 200 yards receiving. Can you imagine what that would be like in the card yeah, market so this, is, this year? This is the first year where the card market has been, you know, pretty relevant in the world going into the football season. And dude, it's nuts. People are going to go, the people are going to lose their hats. You know, they're going to be losing their shirts and it's going to be nuts. People are going to be losing money. They're going to be making money. It's going to be up and down. So what I did with that was like, I'm just going to buy the best fantasy football players of all time. I'm not, I'm buying Calvin Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, they have a bad week one. Who cares? They're already like Hall of Famers. Mm. That, and I, I think that's the smart one. What would your be advice though? If you are like, you know what though? I do think that I like this second year quarterback better than others. What's the smartest thing to do? Is it, is it not getting base? Is it trying to find more like contenders auto? 
Um, is it trying to find serial number? Like what's your yeah. advice for the young people that have a little bit of coin and they want to play these markets? I'd say, no, I'd say buy the safe cards. If you actually do want to play the week to week fantasy football game with the cards, I would say buy the silver prism PSA tens, you know, the nine, five gold prisms, the contenders, auto rookies, the RPAs. Those are the stuff I've been buying of, of guys anyways. So I would stick to that. And, you know, when I started this whole fantasy football thing, I was telling a lot of my fantasy football friends, like, hey, man, you're really good at fantasy football. I think you could actually do better with cards. Like, if you think you know what you're doing in fantasy football, play the week to week of cards and you'll, you'll crush it. Like, you'll just do so much better. Oh, and have, was there ever a stage uh, where you were buying cards? I know you do that now. You buy cards raw, you get them graded, and then you flip them. Um, I, I find that that people that are getting in they, they're just intimidated by the whole process yeah. you know how, how did you get past that yeah i mean i've got a huge stack of cards to be graded right here i always uh you son of a bitch if you try and make that 2003 bosh wade or is that mellow wade lebron this is mellow lebron and tj ford i'm not trying to make this a thing i had this in my binder and people love LeBron. Anything because LeBron. you know that i like that 2003 fleer Dude, anything LeBron rookie right now, With grade the, it. Honestly, like I went through my binder the other night and was like, I'm pulling out everything. Just grade it, grade it. I mean, I was, it was like dollar cards when I first started, 50 cent cards. And now they're, you know, in PSA 10, they're worth multi hundreds. So like, it doesn't make sense to sit on it. Your question about like being intimidated, I would find a group sub, you know, find someone to help you go to, go to Instagram ask around, find out like who knows what they're doing with these, with these PSA and BGS groups. And those guys will actually like literally do it for you. You'll send them your cards and they will fill out the sheets for you. They'll bring it into PSA. They'll ship it to them and they'll get it back for you. And they handle everything. And it's just, you know, it's just like the perfect setup for someone that's a little bit nervous about it. Uh, this, the, I asked you the other night, I said, what, what advice would you give to someone that's just getting out and they're like, where do I start? Um, we have uh, one of our, our production guys that's helping do this right now. His name is Nick. He just went and dove in and found all these different Jordans and Shacks and all that. And a lot of them will reach out um, to somebody like me who they know is in it. And I'll kind of do my best to be like, oh, I've seen that tops, you know what I mean? Or I've seen that tops Chrome and I know that that's a good brand. But I, I also, and I'm saying this with Nick probably watching right now, I also want them to learn how to look up their own cards mm -hmm. because that's information for them to kind of learn about it. Like, how do you, how do you gracefully tell someone, because the answer is not look them up your fucking self. That's not the answer, but it's also not me spending two hours looking up their cards to tell them that it's worth 1499. So how, what is the right way to do it? Cause that's an issue that I'm sure a lot of people in the hobby as their friends are getting into it or dealing with. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the answer most people don't want to hear, which is like, do it your fucking self. But like, it's, it's a little bit more soft than that. It's like, you kind of have to explain to someone like if you want to be good at anything you got to put a lot of time into it right you, you there's nobody coming into the card market right now and just like buying a card the second they see it and making a ton of money it's the people that know what they're doing that are winning right now and i've heard gary say it a million times like go to ebay hit the sold sold listing search cards that you're interested in search players sort by highest price sold uh try to find auctions and plug of course go to card ladder if you want to know how much it actually sold for because ebay hides a lot of that data from you so go to card ladder, go to, you know, 130 point, go to these websites and figure out what, what cards are actually selling for. Uh, 
go to Instagram, right? And just start like adding, make a card profile, which I love that you did that. That's great. That's a great advice is make a card profile on Instagram, start adding everybody, ask people who, who I should add and it'll just start to grow, you know, slowly. It's not, there's not really just like a quick, you know, go to this website and learn everything in five seconds. I wish there was, uh, you know, there's a few of those sites that help you build it up slowly, but I mean, it's mostly like getting into the community, doing the research, going to eBay, going to card letter and just checking out all these sites and like diving into it. Also, if you don't want to do the work, which is totally okay, because I'll be honest, it's a lot. I think about it all the time. Ingver has said to me, he's like, I totally get his value. I just don't want to spend a lot of time doing it. And I totally get it. But my thing is also, if you have the cards and someone is like, hey man, like you can make money on that and you don't want to do the work, you can't sell them at ask at what they're going for on eBay to your friends. Like my thing is if you don't want to do the work and you got these cards, just take the profit, you know, like that's just me. And I, this is not something that's happened to me, but like the, like, Oh, well I would like full cut. And it's like, no, bro. Like that's, yeah. if you're not willing to do the work, you're not going to get the money. It's just how this, this, this world is. Yeah. I mean, you can always just like send it to an auction house or put it on eBay, but you're, you know, eating a ton of fees there, 10% with auction houses and eBay and PayPal transaction fees. And uh, you know, I have sort of the advantage of having like a bigger, network in my community just because I've been in it longer. So I can sell stuff on Instagram quite a bit easier than most people. But you know, that's just, again, that's because I'd spent four years working up to this. It wasn't like I could sell on Instagram the day I started. I started with auction houses. I started with eBay. I started posting my cards and it just sort of got to this point. Do you believe in the soccer card explosion? <sighs> uh, I, I do For not. People that don't know, soccer cards are rising at a rate and you would know better than anybody. Are they rising at a rate more than any other sport right yeah. now? I mean, the latter card letter is showing that it's like, you know, Ronaldo cards, Messi cards, and Bob, I think Mbappe is like number three in the ladder right now. So yeah, I mean, they're exploding. Um, at, at, at like triple quadruple in, in three weeks yeah. type of stuff. Um, the, the normal arguments are wait until the rest of the world gets into this. Um, part, part of the, one of the reasons everybody said the card market's doing great is look at Asia, look at Europe. And then people go, well, what's big out there, basketball and soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they, you can say, well, who has more followers, Cristiano Ronaldo or any NFL player combined. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not even close. So, and cultural relevance, all that stuff, but do you believe in it? I'm a little bit more hesitant to jump into it. Uh, Mostly because like, yeah, it has exploded so much. I don't really like to buy into things after they've just tripled in a week. It's a little bit risky for me. So, and then the second thing is like the people that I hear talking about it are from America and they're the ones saying that I'm not hearing a lot of the people from Europe saying like, yes, we've been saying this for years. Like people here love it. Whereas with basketball in Asia, those people have been collecting sports cards since the nineties and, and before, and they love it. So there's like a huge historical uh, there's a lot of historical data that states that Asia has collected basketball cards for a long time. I'm not seeing that same data for Europe and soccer cards. That's not to say it won't grow. I'm just sensing a lot of like Americans being the one to push that and saying like, yeah, it's coming for the other countries, but we don't actually know that for sure. My counterpoint, and I, I am not sure where I stand on this because I'm very torn because I think that they're both really good arguments, but I do think actual like talking to people in those countries is what it, that are, that are already in the hobby is 
to me the most valuable information because they're the people that are already in it. You're, you're trying to get new buyers in another country. That kind of sounds tough. But I do wonder with the fact that the United States has handled the coronavirus the absolute worst out of the entire world. And all of these great international superstars are going to have a continuous calendar for the next 18 months where like, I'm very worried about the NFL. I'm still worried about the NBA and what they're going to do the next year. And, 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 and then also just everything that's going on with politics here. Like it's also safer because it's like, we might see 18 straight months of Mbappe leading up to the world cup. Yeah. And it's like, what if it, what if the coronavirus is finally the, the, the situation, unfortunately, that caused soccer to be big in America, you know, like after all those years of saying it's the, the fastest growing sport, th that's, that's the other part that I'm seeing. Yeah, for sure. That's a great, that's a great counter. And I, I agree. Like, yeah, soccer is definitely growing in America. Uh, I guess my, yeah, my, my concern is just like, uh, I, I feel a, a group of people kind of like over hyping soccer to like make it a thing. So I'm always nervous about, you know, people hyping something that I don't see data towards. So, but yeah, I mean, like you're right. The coronavirus could play a huge part in this and people just watching more soccer in America. What, what is your view of, um, the importance put on the first year of a product? Um, Hey, did you know that Prism started in 2012? Hey, did you know that Topps Chrome started in 1996 or that Optic started in 2016 and Fleer in 1986? People love the first year. Do you care about it as much as they do? I do when it's been established for more than 10 years. Like some of these, like Prism, yeah, Prism's, you know, coming up on 10 years and it's pretty established at this point and it's pretty safe. So then you can, yeah, you can look to 2012 Prism Optic yeah, we'll see. Tops Chrome, yeah, like 1996, launched with Kobe Bryant, just like a huge thing. Fleer launched with Jordan, like these are big staple athletes. Exquisite basketball launched with LeBron. And it's like, these are just, you know, they're staples in the hobby and they're, they're important to people. So yeah, I mean, the, the original definitely matters. Uh, these companies actually are intelligent enough to launch some of these products with certain rookies. Like, I don't think it's really an accident that the 96 Topps Chrome was the first one or that 2003 Exquisite because they waited for LeBron almost. They had RPAs before LeBron in other sports, but they waited for LeBron to launch like the big basketball Exquisite. Uh, so yeah, it definitely matters. Uh, you know, as someone that's like been in it longer and seen a lot more cards and as a collector, it doesn't matter to me as much because I, I sort of think about it. I don't really think about it in terms of like the product and more so like the, the card itself and how it looks and the player on it. But I can see why people would, would would attach themselves to that. I would like to do really quick an ode to Topps Chrome. Topps Chrome, you are the most beautiful thing that I have seen in quite some time. When that refractor is hitting and the and the centering is perfect, Josh, Topps Chrome is the shit, man. It really is. I know you feel this way too. Yeah, my my favorite card in my collection is the 2003 Topps Chrome LeBron Gold Refractor. It's just like, it's LeBron. It's his rookie year. It's Topps Chrome. It's gold. It's like, man, this this card just like hits everything for me. And you're right, the Topps 96 Topps Chrome. If you haven't had one of those, a refractor in your hand, you gotta buy a cheap player just to look at it. Those things are like radioactive. They glow so much, and it's insane because it's like this is the first year that you think they would have screwed it up man, they just like crushed it with 96 Tops Chrome. And I know that they have some issues with them like turning green and stuff, but uh, they, just, they obviously fixed some of those issues going forward. But man, like 
Topps Chrome, those original ones, they're, they're cool. Uh, I don't, I didn't ask for you to have any cards out, but did you have any that you were like, Ooh, I hope I get to show these off a little bit right now. I do have some football cards. Uh, I don't, okay. I don't have the LeBron gold, but I would like to tell that story if there's time, but I have like a Fitzgerald RPA and then like a Fitzgerald contenders auto. Are you big on Kyler being an Arizona guy? Uh, yeah, I've got a few Kyler cards. I'm, I'm more like, uh, uh cautiously optimistic about it as like a fan of the cardinals i don't want to like jinx myself and buy all of his cards almost like i and quarterbacks are really sticky here in arizona like it's 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 a topic that like makes us all very nervous because they always suck just ask larry fitzgerald oh man what was your what's your uh lebron story was this the goodwill lebron do you want me to go get it i can run i can go get it hell yeah would you go get it uh I'll, i'll give a little bit of a precursor so we can all find cards in very interesting spots and the sometimes the story of how you get a card is just as cool as the make and the model and how much it's going for and uh josh sent me a dm of this one lebron and i guess on beckett on their slates on the top you can pay three five dollars and get something written in one, now that I know that, I might write some crazy things in on the slab. Uh, but his said the Goodwill LeBron, and I didn't know what that meant. And he told me a little bit of the story, and I'm happy that he's going to get this uh, to tell the story for all of you. Uh, but perfect timing. Amazing. Okay, I gave a little bit of the background about the slab. Okay, so show the top where it says Goodwill LeBron. Yeah, so at the top it says the Goodwill there LeBron 1 of 50. Okay. It's actually like one of 50. Holy shit. It really is the one too. Yeah. Oh, the serial number is Oh, one of 50. That's what I mean. It's Oh, what? Wow. Yeah. All right. So what's the story of this? Okay. So <laughs> I literally ran to get it. So I, I was at a card show and uh, one of my buddies is like, Hey man, I found this posting of, uh, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> take your time. Take your time. So, uh, once again, if you don't know, this is Josh Johnson. He is of Cardboard Chronicles. I'm giving him a chance to breathe. Okay, story. Yeah, I ran up the stairs. I was at a card show. My buddy's like, hey, man, I found this thing. You need to take a look at it. Someone's got a 03 LeBron Topps Gold Chrome Refractor. And I was like, man, that's like dream card for me. Got to get it. And uh, I was like, yeah, let me, mess- let me DM the guy, find the card, see who it is. And I messaged them. And they didn't respond for like three months. And this was like late 2018. So this is like before the card boom and before people knew, you know, Topps Chrome LeBron was like this huge thing. So I was, I felt like I was, you know, early to this. So I messaged them and I said like, Hey, I saw the card. Is it for sale? I love it. My PC, I talked to them, found out they got it from a Goodwill online auction. <laughs> so they literally like searching Goodwill they saw a listing, an auction, and it was like, hey, it's like 2003 type stuff in it. They could see like a Beckett magazine from 03, and they won the auction for like 80 bucks. So they get the box, you know, they're going through it. There's a bunch of Topps Chrome stuff. There's 2003 stuff, some cheaper cards. And then <laughs> they get to the bottom of the box, and there's like a little box that says good cards. And I saw, I actually saw the box. It's crazy. Open it up, and there it is in a top loader, 2003 Topps Chrome LeBron. And for those that don't know, like the 03 Topps Chrome LeBron rookie is like 
one of the hottest cards in the market right now. And people may not even know that there's like a gold refractor version of it, which is numbered to 50. So, I mean, it's just, it's a huge, huge card. And they actually filmed themselves like reacting to it. They're running around the house screaming, like, oh my God, we found this card. And so I got in contact with them again. Like I said, we talked, we did like some Skype chats. I told them, you know, what I'd offer them. And then I ended up just like flying out to their house in Texas. I filmed an episode of the, the show with them. I did an interview. It's on, you can go check it out on YouTube. Okay. And uh, really nice people, great, great uh, family. And, you know, they were nice enough to let me in their house and did the deal, bought the card and then uh, sent it to BGS. And yeah, you can have them write whatever you want on this line. And so I was like, man, I got to commemorate this with like the goodwill LeBron. It's like, it's this crazy story that, you know, you never hear. And <clears throat> these people found this card and turned 80 bucks into a lot more than 80 bucks. It's, it's nuts for them. It's fun for me. And it's just like a crazy story. As a reminder for everybody, uh, there's over 2000 LeBron 2003 tops chromes. They're going for about 15 That's in PSA 10. There's a lot more than 2000. That's a PSA Correct, correct, correct. The uh, refractors, uh, we were saying if they're PSA 10, they're at about 75,000. Uh, 75, um, a nine gold refractor. I don't want you to give away the numbers and stuff, but what's the multiplier of what? What's the multiplier for what you bought it for and what it is now? Two years. Probably like. 8x or something like that golly and then they they probably i mean from them from 80 dollars to whatever you paid amazing yeah they're they're multiple their roi is a lot higher than mine because i mean they yeah the tops chrome base has gone from like 1500 to 15 grand you know so that's like 10x and i think you know the higher end stuff the multiplier is a little bit slower to react you know because they don't sell as much this card hasn't sold publicly in auction in years i mean go to on card ladder we don't the last public sale we have is like really cheap it's just like this card just does not sell and i mean it's because it's more of like a collector card it's not really something you can find easily collectors have these things and they're kind of locked away the one thing that my dad used to say about why i should never get into cards which is funny to say now is he goes adam it's only worth something if someone's willing to pay for it you have some very expensive cards are you always confident that there's going to be someone that wants to buy them yeah. I mean, in the sense that like, I know it'll never be worth zero. So like we can get that out of the way, but yeah, I mean, it's LeBron, it's his rookie year. It's a rare card. You can't really, and I've seen a lot of like high end buyers come into the market. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of this surge upward is just, there's a lot of people that have more confidence in this than they do the stock market right now, which is, which is crazy to say, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident. Like I know there's a ton of LeBron collectors out there. There's a lot of people that would love to get their hands on it and just, you know, simple supply and demand. Like, there's not that many of these that go up to go around and there's a ton of people that like LeBron. So it is hard to find obviously someone willing to pay that much money for an item, you know? So that's why people use auction houses to like make sure enough people see it and the auctions sort of drive it up. The, uh, you know, the, the anticipation of winning the auction and all these different factors. But, you know, if I was like, hey, I'm trying to sell this for X amount of money, a lot of people are just going to be like, whoa, that's just way too much. You know, it would take a while to sell at that, at that price point. How am I doing thus far in the hobby? You, you've, you've, you've witnessed what I'm doing. Well, I want like an honest read too. What do you think so far? Uh, you made a great decision coming to me. That's what I'll, I'll say. Hey. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I think you're doing great. Um, I think it's just like, 
learning more. Like you, you just don't know what you don't know. So when you come to me and you say like, Hey, what do you think about this card? I kind of, I'm trying to steer you towards like, Hey, maybe look at something similar or a player similar or whatever. So hey, I, you're still mad at my Dwayne Wade purchases that there's, there's one card out there that I still haven't bought yet. And every time you're like, Hey, this one's right here, motherfucker. And I'm like, ah, shit. It, I mean, I don't know if that one's gone up, but yeah, like it was probably like right when you started, I was like, if you want Wade and you sit next to Wade, right all the time so i'm like dude show him this one he doesn't want to see the top scrum everyone has that one show him the one that he's never seen which is like the, the rookie auto don't say it don't say it yeah because i might still get it <laughs> but overall overall because i think um something that that chris jackson said to me early and i passed along to you is um i i didn't realize that i was going to be an influencer in this I thought I was going to be like everybody else where I was going to kind of come in and just buy some cards and, and try and flip some and get some cool stuff. And it's, uh, it's been interesting to watch how like even like one or two interviews can spread throughout the whole hobby like right. that. And so I guess I was more thinking more in terms of someone within the world, right, right, right. Uh, not just my own collection. Yeah, that is huge. I mean, I mean that's why, frankly, I've I've wanted to help you so much because I know that me helping you is going to make you help a lot of other people and just sort of spreads. So that's always been important to me. And yeah, like your video where you made your like top 22 pieces of advice was, was incredibly accurate and great. And I love that because, you know, as you know, me educating you has been important for you. So like, you know, that you educating others is extremely important for the hobby as a whole. Oh. And then those people, and it just sort of like turns into this big infinite, you know, uh, Kevin Bacon type situation where we're all just like a few layers away from helping each other. Yeah. Cause like what you said earlier about fantasy football and people losing their hats, like I am much more concerned with people not losing yeah. than I am with people winning yeah. because the last thing I want is for someone to be like, left go was talking cards. And I bought all these. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, I'm just saying a name, Josh Jacobs cards. And then he tore his ACL. What the fuck? Like, I'm, I'm worried about that stuff. Like I, I don't want people to be yeah. losing their hats. Yeah. This know? is why Chris from house of Jordans and myself don't really make picks necessarily. We kind of like steer people towards uh, like ideas and cultural things of like, Hey, you might want to start thinking about this. And I think, Gary V is kind of figuring this out as well as like making picks on individual cards is not the way to go about it. It's actually just talking about the hobby as a whole and preaching education and preaching, helping new people coming in. Cause again, like me helping you not get burned is going to make you help someone else not get burned. And then if you guys, none of you guys get burned and we're all buying the right stuff and we're safe, then it's just going to keep growing. Right. You know, what's been really fun for me is so I've, I've sent two or three card packages uh, in the last day or two. People bought uh, Raws. Uh, I'm just sending some cards to people. You know what's really dope, man, is when you have all those extra cards that you're like, these really aren't worth anything to me. But like when you're like, oh, this person's an Eagles fan and I can send them like random cards. I don't know, like that's the, it's like feels like party favors, like I'm eight years old again. And it's like, whoa, like, I got a Troy Vincent and he just sent it to me for free. Like I, I love that shit. That shit's great. Yeah. I, I still do that a lot. Like there'll be people, especially when I was like on the forums, you know, back in the day I'd be on blow and people would be like, Hey, I'm trying to build this Penny Hardaway collection. And I have just like a box of shit, of Penny, like a ton of Penny Hardaway cards. And I'm just like, you know, what years did you like? So just go pick them out, pick 10, what's your address, send it to them. And man, that can really 
change things for that person to make them really happy and get them more into cards. And it just keeps, again, like another thing, just spread the hobby, right? Well, I'm going to just end on, on one thing, which I think everyone talks about buying and they don't talk about selling. What would your, what would your advice be to people in terms of not trying to sell at the perfect time, but also just the, the, the best way to be okay with this card could still go up, but I got to let it go right now. Cause I think that there's a lot of people that are like, but what if this becomes the LeBron exquisite and they don't realize that it never has that potential. Like what's, what's that mindset? Yeah. I mean, first is just like, don't be afraid to take profit. And second is like, if you think, if you actually think you're good at this and you are good at like predicting things and you have foresight on different cards, wouldn't you just like do that infinitely more times in the time that you spent waiting for one to go up? You know, like if you doubled your money on a Lillard card, uh, and you're waiting for it to go up another 10% and maybe that's, let's say that's a year in that year, you could have doubled your money 10 more times. You know, it's like, I, I guess I think of it that way. I, I feel the same way that everybody's trying to get the whole pie and just, just take the big piece, you know, like what I also get, I also get weird by like round numbers where I'm like, this Lillard's going for 2,800. I want it to get three so I can say three and I need to get the fuck out of that mindset and just be like, just take it for like $200. I would have sold it for 2,600, taken the 2,600 and bought Randy Moss or something. Cause I mean, Randy Moss is going to um, get a lot, a lot of uh, attention once. And he is now. And like once fantasy football season starts, people are like, who's the best fantasy football player of all time. And they go back to the original. And it's like, Oh, Randy Moss or Jerry Rice. And, when do the bumps for Hall of Fame inductions happen? Is it like right around the time of it? Is it like a month before? It's leading up to it. It's like a slow build up to it. It's like buy the rumor, sell the news kind of deal. Mm. Yeah, people think like, oh, buy the week before the Hall of Fame induction. And people already knew it was coming. It's not like, so once it happens, then actually people sell off to try to take their, like if you look at, prices of patrick mahomes cards the most they've ever been down in the last year is right after he won the super bowl which people think that's insane but what happened was he won the super bowl and everyone got so excited to cash in that they all sold supply went up so the prices went down Mm. it's crazy uh i think this is gonna be my my new question for everyone that comes on because i'm fascinated by it what are your favorite inserts of all time uh for people that don't know inserts are actually if you could explain inserts it'd be better than me inserts are so like you have your base set you know you've got your if you think about 86 flare or or prism cards you have like your generic looking base and then from there you have parallels where it's the same card but different variations of it you got different colors you got different patterns on it insert is completely outside of the base set and they're just they're literally like you build the base set of all 150 players and then you insert a couple random ones into those packs to think about it that way and it's usually superstar and if you're looking at if you're looking at modern cards Chronicles are big right now. And I feel like it's just like a bunch of different inserts put together in a pack. Um, but I, uh, well, the reason I'm fascinated by inserts, it's you could go years and no one would like any of them. They'd be like, oh, these were boring or these were corny. And it, it becomes, it's, it's the only part of the hobby where I'm like, it is so subjective. It's the most subjective. And, and so I'm, I'm just curious that, but they're also kind of one of ones in that they, unless they get turned into a thing thing. uh, over time. Um, But yeah, I'm just curious what your favorite is. Probably like the 96 
flare showcase hot shots it's like if you look at look up that card and the michael jordan is literally like a fireball and it's like cut like it's like a die cut where it's shaped like fire and you can see the spikes yes. on it and everything and but what what is it about that was it like you remember back at that time and trying to chase that yeah so inserts for me just bring me back to the 90s where inserts were really big in the 90s and they still do inserts today panini does it they've got kaboom and from downtown they're just not as big because people are more attracted to like the the main staple rookie cards today but in the 90s inserts were a really big deal and jordan kind of carried that mantle he's got like some of the best he's in all the best insert sets because he was the best player and Penny Hardaway is my favorite player from that era, and he's in most of those because he was a superstar in the 90s. So I'm able to kind of see a lot of my favorite 90s cards from the insert perspective. And that card in particular, yeah, I definitely remember like seeing it when I was a kid and ever being coming close that we're getting it or being able to afford it. And those cards are hard to find. Like those, they're, they're inserted randomly, especially in the 90s, at like a really low pack rate. So some of those will be like one in every 200 packs, you'll get an insert card. And it might not, you know, it's probably not Michael Jordan. So it's like, the Jordan is like one in, you know, 4,000 packs or whatever. So in the 86 Fleer, could we consider the sticker an insert? Because yeah. you would get, if people don't know, you get a bunch of cards and then you get a sticker and then a piece of gum for the 86 Fleer. Kind of, yeah. Is the sticker somewhat like that because of the rarity of it or no? Kind of. I mean, it's like it's an early iteration of what would become an insert, but it's like the purists will tell you it's not technically an insert. And, you know, everyone is always telling me about serial numbers and, and numbered cards, but because of the rarity of inserts, does that make up for the fact that it's not numbered? I think that's why it's usually a little bit slower to react is because people just like physically don't know how many there are. And it takes like, they used to put pack odds on the packs so people could figure out like, oh, there's, you know, serial numbered cards. So I could attach myself to the fact that this one's inserted one in a hundred. So I could just do the math and figure it out. But in the modern ones, it's a little bit harder to figure out. But, you know, with Instagram and stuff and eBay, you kind of see that, like, there's either a lot of them or there's not, and people kind of figure it out. But, yeah, it it definitely makes it more interesting not knowing how many there are. It, it changes the dynamic a little bit. And then, like you were saying earlier, you're kind of forced to, like, think about the card itself and not necessarily how rare it is or the importance of it. You're just, like, looking at the card and you're like, Do, does this thing look cool and should I buy it? Like, I'll be honest. So I, I, I put on my LeftGo Cards account, like, what are everyone's favorite inserts? And so many people said from downtown and I looked at them and I was like, this does nothing for me. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I get it. Like it, it's cool. Cause it's got like aspects of the city. I was like, but I would not, I would, I don't need that. Like it, it wasn't aesthetically pleasing enough to me where I was like, and, and to me, that's, that's how I look at inserts is people like, Oh, I love my house. And I was like, my house because Zion's yelling and it says my house. Like there's nothing fucking cool about that card. Like, but like what like you're saying, like the Michael Jordan flame die cut with like, but the flame, the base of it's a basketball. Like, it's just a, like, that's amazing looking. And I, and I, I think sometimes it's subjective, but I think we can all appreciate when, when something looks cool. Yeah. Just go back to the nineties and look up like jambalaya, hot shots, cut above, and just like, go look at those inserts and compare them to what we have today. And it's like the inserts were just so awesome and they're they're hard to find they're rare cards like michael there's there's people that only collect michael jordan inserts and that's a huge huge faction of collectors mm -hmm. that just that's all they do is buy jordan inserts from the 90s and they want them in high grade and they want to know that they're rare and stuff like that when you walk into the national the next big national sports card event 
and it's taken on another world where there is live music <laughs> and there's you're looking around and there's like celebrity case breaks yeah. um and because it, it it feels like we're getting to a complex con uh type of thing i have said from the beginning i would love to turn the national and i don't i'm not saying i want to change it but i'm saying that i would love to turn the big event around sports cards as sort of a Comic-Con for sports in general. Um, but what is that going to be like for you when you look around and you see all this industry coming off of sports cards and taking it in directions where it might not even seem like it's about the cards sometimes? Yeah. I, I mean, I generally side with like the more forward thinking crowd of like, yeah, this is, this is what people want to see. This is more popular. So I, I kind of can get behind something like that. And I would, you know, obviously I'm more about the cards at those shows, so I could maybe get a little bit more distracted, but I uh, mean, I'm all for it. Like any, any like positive change we can bring any new people we bring in, I'm seeing like celebrity, like Mark Wahlberg's posting about it. Uh, you know, Gary Vee, obviously. Steve Aoki. Steve Aoki. I love it. Honestly, like it's fun. I mean, who wouldn't want something that, you know, you've collected and you've built up for a long time and you, who wouldn't want other people to also enjoy that thing. That's, that's like how we are as humans. This is perfect. This is where we're going to end it. I came with this in the, in the, in the shower today, cause I am in New York. Um, and I was thinking about what can I equate the hobby to for me, all of the people with huge collections before this boom are people that were living in Tribeca before in like the seventies and eighties down here in New York. And everyone would be like, who wants to live in Tribeca? Who wants to collect cards? And then as the city boomed and they came in and they cleaned up certain areas, whatever, there were some people that were like, holy crap, the value of my property here is skyrocketing, but they're trying to change my neighborhood and I don't like it. It doesn't feel like my neighborhood anymore. There's sky rises, there's... <laughs> Uh, right. there's cycling stores, there's smoothie bars, there's all this stuff. And then people are telling them, yes, but your property value has gone up four X. And, and, and my thing that I keep wanting to say people is if you don't want to be in that neighborhood anymore, you can sell and you can go somewhere where it's super quiet and build a big ass house. Yeah. And if you want, Everybody that's been there at all the properties, you could buy houses in the same neighborhood. Yeah. You guys could all go, you know what's underpriced right now? 1980s football. And you guys could all just take all your profits and go. But but I also understand where it's like, yeah, but it it's not what it was. Yeah. You know, I, I want to still be on Burberry Street. And I, that's that's kind of how I've been thinking about it recently. It's like you guys were playing in a neighborhood or living in a neighborhood that has exploded and they're not forcing you out, but it's just, there's, I don't know. That's how I look at it. Yeah. I can't believe I haven't said this yet, but like my whole thing is I call it a zag. It's like everyone is zigging into sports cards or they're, you know, they're all just like buying the same stuff. So I just literally just zag away and I just do something different. So like everyone wants the cards I have, you know, everyone wants LeBron rookies. I'm going to stop buying LeBron rookies and I'm going to start buying football cards because none of you guys have looked at that yet. Let me just go over there. And then the second people swarm over to football once fantasy football hits and i i feel like i'm gonna be right about that football goes crazy i'll just go back over to pokemon or i'll just keep like you guys will just keep chasing around and i feel like a lot of people are kind of really sticking to that concept and people are really getting behind it on our crossover show on instagram people love that 
and it's because like people are unique and people want to they want to be different so like that really that concept really sticks with them and they want to go do different things and find new cards and again i think that just is like good for the hobby i think it's just gonna like raise the the, the overall interest in it the market cap the everything like everyone's just going to be spreading out and finding new areas and we're all not going to get burned on one tiny bubble of prism base cards we're going to be doing everything love it Josh, you're the man. I'm excited to do your pod. Everybody follow him at Cardboard Chronicles. Check out the uh, card ladder. Go on there. It's free to mess with. Uh, I have the pro version. I have my collection in there. Uh, every morning, uh, I check my email. I check my texts. And then I check card ladder. And I go on there and I go, my fucking portfolio went up 1.8%, motherfuckers. Oh, look, Devin Booker went up $600 while I was sleeping. Let's fucking go. And it's, I think you guys have done an amazing job. I, I vouch for you and Chris as humans. Um, and I, I appreciate all the lessons that you have given me and the uh, issues you've steered me from. So thank you, bro. Well, I, thanks to you for, you know, shouting out Card Ladder so much. Chris and I greatly appreciate it. And we know you're doing it uh, organically. It's because you actually like it. So we, we do appreciate that. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. This has been great. Great guy. Uh, I, I legitimately DM, DM him all the time. I'm like, why is this so undervalued? And he goes, because look at the bottom right corner. There's a whole thing. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying this. You can DM me and tell me if you're not. But I, I think that uh, while we still have some off season left uh, to kind of spend an extra podcast day, because we'll be getting down to more like two during the football season. If I spend it on cards, I hope that is cool. Uh, I know that I sound crazy. But I'm having more fun doing this than I ever have. Uh, when I tell you that I am watching this Blazers-Lakers series with so much more intent and joy than I ever have, uh, I mean it. I, I bet on some NBA games yesterday. Um, I won some. I bet against my Sixers because, and I don't know when this pod's coming out, but I bet against my Sixers the, in game two and they got blown out by the, by the Celtics and I didn't enjoy it. But the fact that during the game... I, I get to look over at Dame Lillard and then after the game, when he beats the Lakers, the card jumps up $200. Um, I don't know, man, it, it feels good. And I, I'm having a great time. We are going to be using, as I mentioned before, not only the LFGL, which we are going to be cutting that off soon, um, but also card values to kind of talk about NFL players in a different way. Uh, you do not need to spend a lot of money. As I'll keep saying, there are other ways and cheaper ways to get into it. Um, but don't buy without doing a little bit of research. Uh, for Josh, for David, for Nick, for shouting you out, bro. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it to be like that explicit. To uh, Gabe and Mark and everybody helping put this on, including uh, Jake and Eddie. Love you guys. L-E-F-K-L-E-M-A-N. Peace.